when I was growing up, I always dreamed of being old enough to be in the youth group. Today being youth day, I thought it fitting to, to tell the story of me when I was joining our youth group. I thought it was the coolest thing. They acted cool. They looked cool. They went to cool events. They took cool trips and did cool things. And I thought by default that when I got to the youth group, I'd be cool. But nothing could be farther from the truth. <laughs> for those of you that knew me around age 13, I apologized just for how annoying of a child I was. <laughs> nothing could be further from the truth. It, it was just a little bit of a, I was just a little bit of an annoying brat when I got into the youth group. I talked and I talked and I talked and I talked, and it didn't matter <laughs> if it was time to talk or not, I talked anyway. This is not the way to earn the respect and the cool demeanor of the typical youth group person. But it's, it's what I did. And one time as a youth group, we were away on a trip to some youth event. And I was just being my typical self, being a pest. And it, it was just second nature to me. What can I say? But... I remember our youth pastor, Paul Thornton, looking at me, and he, 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 he basically said, Brayden, if you don't stop, I'm going to call your father. And without missing a beat, I looked at him, and I said, good, call him up. I want to talk to him. <laughs> this is not the way you should treat your youth pastor. Do as I say, not as I did. There was always that dreaded call home growing up that nobody liked because even though they couldn't really discipline you at the time, the youth pastor might have wanted to smack you, but he knew he couldn't. So I'm going to call your parents and I'm going to leave it up to them. And there was a few times that I had this happen. I almost got a call to my parents at youth events. My first year of ever attending Miller Lake Camp in Nova Scotia, I was told, sneak out on the last night. It's what everybody does. It's what the cool kids do. And so, I snuck out on the last night. <laughs> and we said, we're going to do what, whatever you do when you sneak out at night. You know, you, you, you kind of prepare yourself. You, you get ready. But it was my first time. And when you sneak out, there's really not much to do aside from avoid the counselors as they come to look for you. And as I was walking and the counselors started coming, everybody scattered, and I jumped into a bush. Now, this being my first time sneaking out, I, I didn't think it through that well, and I realized the bush I had chosen to jump into was completely lit from lights nearby. It also didn't occur to me that when you sneak out in the middle of the night, you're trying not to get caught, so you wear something dark. And so I've got this bright orange shirt on, and as they walk by, <laughs> I'm there in plain sight, and they say, I can see you right there. You better get to your room and get in bed as fast as possible. And I was so terrified of what might happen to me, I ran to my room and jumped into my sleeping bag with my shoes still on and my orange shirt on. <laughs> the time, though, that really takes the cake is one year we were going to sneak out again. And me and a friend of mine who shall remain nameless 
decided we were going to do something really big. And so Derek Larley and I decided, <laughs> excuse me, he's not here this morning, so make sure you don't tell him I told this story. We decided the best place to hide from people was in the middle of the water on the lake. So in the middle of the night, the two of us left our room. We went out and very stealthily took a canoe and proceeded to paddle to the middle of the lake. Now, I don't know if I have to finish the story and tell you that this didn't go very well. But the most terrible part of this was that we did get caught. We did have to bring the canoe all the way back. But we did get our parents called. And it's one thing, let me tell you, if your parents are being called in the middle of the day. But when mom is woken up at 2 in the morning, it's a completely different story. And I couldn't even sit on a canoe if I wanted to for the next few months. I truly believe that God has a sense of humor. And a few years ago at camp, I was chaperoning and trying to round up some kids that had snuck out. And as I was telling this group of delinquents to go to bed, one of them said, weren't you the guy that stole a canoe? <laughs> we dread that call home. Some of you may know where I'm coming from. Maybe you've had your parents called from school or, or from camp. Just to raise a hand. However, how many people out there are just as bad as I am? One or two. That's good. At least I don't feel completely alone. But in Genesis chapter 3, we find Adam and Eve as they're in the garden of Eden and everything is good. And we don't know exactly why, but in this passage of Scripture, Adam and Eve are away from each other, but they had just had a fight. And Adam said, I'm going to tend to the apple trees for a few minutes alone. I'm just going to go and do my own thing by myself. But we get the impression that they're separated because it only mentions Eve is there. And as the serpent begins to talk to her, and in the very uh, first verse of chapter 3, the Bible says, the serpent asks her a question, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of, the, of every tree of the garden? And Eve responded and said, we, we can eat of every tree, of, of the fruit of any of the trees that are in the garden, but the fruit that's in the middle of the tree, we can't eat that. Neither can we touch it or else we'll die. And this, this sounds like a pretty good deal. We, we aren't given much of a description of, of everything that is in the Garden of Eden, but God isn't someone that's just going to give them two options. When, when I picture it, I picture many different kinds of trees, more than you can imagine. You, you can eat to your heart's content, but as the story goes, the serpent responds to her and says, You shall not surely die. For God knows that the day you eat of that tree, your eyes will be open to you and you will be like God's and you will know good from evil. And what happens in this part of the Bible and what we assume is the very beginning of their lives when man and woman are first created is that there is a temptation that, and that temptation is based on having more things than what you already have. The very first temptation is human nature is you already have something but you could have more. And disobeying what God has already asked you to do. The word Genesis means the origin or the beginning. But it's not only the beginning of the Bible. 
It's also the beginning of creation. It's also the beginning of man. But it also shows us the beginning of human nature as we see it even today. It's more than just the beginning of the Bible, but it sets up a story and a timeline that's going to continue throughout the entirety of the Bible. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And I imagine that there would have been a stillness after that bite of the fruit that fell over the garden. Imagine that as they looked at each other, they looked at the fruit that had two bites out of it. There would have been silence all around them. What have we done? What, what did we just, just do? I imagine there would have been no other sound but the wind blowing through the trees around them as they came to the realization of what they had just done. They had decided not to listen to God. And instead of allowing Him to be God in their lives, they became their own gods themselves by saying, I'm going to do what I want. We can make our own decisions. We can do our own thing. They begin to know good from evil, and they begin to realize what they had done. It's at this moment that man first disobeyed God. And Genesis being the beginning of creation, the beginning of man, the beginning of human nature, to want to be more, to be tempted, we introduce now the beginning of sin. But as I was reading this a while ago, I began to think it's incredible that the text doesn't just end here. It's amazing that we, just, that we don't find an end to Scripture. But there's a continuance. Despite man disobeying God, the Scripture continues on. You see, God could have at any moment... That man disobeyed him, completely started over from scratch. What's another seven days? He could have said. Well, I, I guess the next ones, you know, we're just going to call them Andy and Edna, and hopefully they'll listen to me when I tell them not to eat of the tree. He could have started over completely from scratch. He could have snapped his fingers and said, let's try this again. But Scripture continues on. And the Bible says that they made aprons out of fig leaves to cover themselves. And they sat in the garden and it was quiet. They didn't know what to do. But all they knew was that what they had done was wrong. And in the study of the Word of God, there's this principle called the law of first mention. That if something is explained in the Bible at the very beginning, we can trace it throughout. And, and every time it's mentioned after that, we can trace it to the very origin. We know that the Bible was not just written by, it, it, it had many different writers, but it had one author, and this proves that fact. 
And I believe that the very next verse in Genesis perfectly encapsulates the nature of God. Because throughout the garden, in the middle of this silence, after they had done something against what God had told them to do, it says in Genesis 3, verse 8 to 10, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It didn't have to end. It didn't have to stop. God didn't start over. God didn't say, I'm finished with you. But they heard the voice of God. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, the call after the fall. Because even after we've messed up, there is still a voice of God that still goes forth saying, I'm not finished with you yet. If we continue on, it says, And Adam and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God, he called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And verse 21 to 23 says unto Adam also, And to his wife, did the Lord make coats of skins. And he clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now let us put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from. God didn't give up. But instead he came up with the plan to say, you know what? We're not just going to start over. We're not just going to wipe you off the face of the planet. We're not just going to have another seven days and create everything from scratch. We're not just going to get rid of you. But Adam, I'm going to step in. If you'll hear my call throughout the garden and come to me, I've still got a purpose for you. I wonder if we can lift our hands and just worship the Lord for a minute. We serve a God of second chances this morning. Just thank him for that for a second. We serve a God that he didn't have to start over when you messed up. He didn't have to start over when you made a mistake. But instead he looked at your life and reached down to where you were and said, I still got something I can use you for. Praise God. It's in this scripture that although we've just witnessed the beginning of human nature and although we've just witnessed the beginning of man disobeying God, although we've just witnessed the beginning of sin, it is here also that we see the beginning of the grace and the mercy of God that continues throughout the entirety of scripture. Although man had done wrong, there was still a voice that rang out as God called out to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't that God didn't know where he was physically, but he wanted Adam. Adam, present yourself to me. Adam, what have you done? Just, just come to me. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. But, but Adam, 
right now. And when he came, God tells them the consequence of their sin. But then we find God. The Bible says he clothes them with coats of skins. He covers up their nakedness. He covers up their sin. He, he comes with a coat to say, here, this, this is what you need. We know from Romans that the wages and the consequence of sin is death. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Soon after this, it says in Romans 5, 19, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. But by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. It continues throughout the entirety of Scripture. And even though one person messed up, we found that there was still someone that stepped in to say, Yes, there needs to be bloodshed. But here you go. I'll cover up your sin. And you will have to just come Come to me uh, if you're going to do that. In Romans 5.19, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. From this show of grace and mercy of God, we, we, we see it be a theme that plays throughout the entirety of Scripture. We see it when Israel is in Egypt and they use the blood of the lamb to cover their, their doors and the death angel passes over their homes. We see it as they're freed when God tells them to sacrifice one animal for the nation of Israel every year on the day of atonement. We see it again though in the New Testament when Jesus Christ comes and he dies on the cross and is raised three days later because God isn't willing to give up on us whenever we sin. We don't serve a condemning God. We serve a, a God that creates a way out. That when we mess up, when we make mistakes, when we do something wrong, there is still a voice that calls out to us. Where are you? Where are you, Adam? You might have made a mistake. You might have done wrong. You might have done some things you, you shouldn't have. You might have said, said some things you should have never said. You might have watched some things you should have never watched. But there's a voice of God that's calling out saying, where? Where are you? Reveal yourself to me. Just come back to me, Adam. I, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not finished with you yet, Adam. I'm still willing to call out throughout the garden. It's that call that started. It started in the garden saying, where are you? Come to me. Re repent. Tell me what you've done. Give yourself to me. Turn away from what you've done. But just because you've messed up doesn't mean I'm finished with you. God created a plan of redemption so that you don't have to live with the torment of sin in your life. I know this all seems elementary. I know this is stuff that we all kind of know, that we, we've all understood this. Being through church, going through classes, being through discipleship, we've been preached this many times. But I think sometimes we just forget how easy it would have been for God to say, I'm starting over. 
I'm finished with you. I'm done with you. I'm I'm creating a new plan. I'm creating a new path because you've you've messed up. You've made a mistake. You've done wrong. But God didn't do that despite the fact that man messed up. God stepped in and said, where are you, Adam? Adam said, "I, I was ashamed. I was afraid when I, when I heard your voice in the garden. We can beat ourselves up over what we've done, but God created a way out so that we don't have to carry it with us anymore. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We can look at our lives in our messed up state and in the situations that we face, the things that we go through, the temptations that we fall into. We all have this human nature that we see all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. That I want more. That we... We have a human nature that allows us to be tempted, to be drawn to things that we shouldn't be, to be pulled into things that God has told us, don't go here, don't do this, don't say this, don't don't let yourself get messed up in this, don't let yourself fall into this trap. We know that God has told us, "Don't, don't fall into this mess. Don't allow yourself to watch this. Don't allow yourself to listen to this. Don't allow yourself to be pulled into this crowd of people that you shouldn't be around. We know that God says it, but our human nature is tempted, and we get pulled into things time and time again that we shouldn't do. And we can say, you know what? My life is worthless now. I messed up. I made a mistake. I've done wrong. So I'm ashamed and I'm afraid, but God is still calling like it called throughout the garden, saying, where are you? Because you might think that you're done, but God isn't finished yet. If God was finished, he could have started over, but he had a plan from the very beginning. There's got to be bloodshed, so I'm going to co-clothe you with the skins of animals. There needs to be forgiveness, so I'm going to send my son to die on a cross and be raised three days later because I'm not finished with you yet. I wonder if the music could come back today. I wonder if we could lift our hands and just begin to love the Lord for that this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't have to do it, but he reached way down into where you were stuck, into all the pain and suffering 
that we were stuck in because of the consequence of sin in our lives. And we beat ourselves up time and time again. But we serve a God that convicts but does not condemn. We serve a God that died on the cross and went through all the pain and suffering so that you don't have to deal with the pain and suffering of sin in your life anymore. He could have started over. He could have chose somebody else and never made the mistake. But he's still calling out for you. He's still calling out your name. Where are you? I know you've messed up. I know you've made a mistake. But there is still a call going out. Where are you? Just come back to me. Just come back to me. On the border between Detroit and Michigan and Windsor, Ontario, over the last number of years, there's been this hum that could not be explained. It would be so low that you could barely even notice it, but in some places, on the Canadian side especially, It got so loud that it would even rattle dishes. It's something that would keep people up at night. It's in the background when you're walking your dog, driving your car. And while some people blame hearing problems, vacuum pumps, atmospheric winds, or even aliens, noises like this can even cause health problems. It can cause headaches, nausea, problems sleeping and even anxiety. But there was this hum that nobody could explain. Some have described it as a noise that you can feel in your chest. At one point, 22,000 people were complaining about the sound. But more recently, they discovered that these vibrations were originating from an island between the Canadian and American border on a place called Zug Island. The island is home to a factory that makes steel, and although it had been around for about 90 years, the hum only started about 15 years ago, and nobody could pinpoint what it was. However, at the beginning of this year, the mystery was solved. When the site began to scale down production and some blast furnaces were shut off and once they were turned off, the hum just ceased and stopped. And something that had kept people up at night and caused headaches and everything else just ceased. It was something that people could feel that they had gotten used to that was part of their daily lives that they had to try and tune out. There's a call in our lives that's been ringing out ever since the garden. Where are you? Come back to me. Adam, reveal yourself to me. I want that call to be something that eats away at us. I want that call to be something that gets a hold of us. It should be something that we feel inside of us, something that we hear day in and day out until we come back 
to God. I want that call to be something our cities here, our unsaved families here. I want it to be something that rings out for every person that needs to come to God. The call of God saying, where? Where are you? The call of God saying, I've still got a plan for you. I've still got a purpose for you. I'm not done with you just yet because you've messed up or you've made a mistake. It's the call of grace and mercy that the story doesn't have to end here. If we could all stand. It's a call that should convict but not condemn. It's a call that should stir us to action. It's a call that should cause us to reach out to others. Do you hear the call? Because like the winds are hum, there's going to come a day when that call ends. There's going to come a day where that call that we've pushed to the back of our minds that we might feel from time to time is calling to come to an end. There is one day that Jesus is going to come back for his church. There is one day that the rapture is going to happen and that call will cease to sound. What will we do with the call? Can you feel it today? In the back of our minds, there's this call. Come back to me. Put aside what you've done and just come back to me. Put aside the mistakes that you've been through and just come back to me. Put aside everything you've done wrong. Where are you? I know you've messed up. I know you've made a mistake. But I've still got a plan for your life. That's the call that's ringing out throughout the church. And we should wrestle it through the world today. Where are you? Because God has a plan for your life. Where are you? Because God still has a purpose for your life. I wonder if we could just lift our hands all across this room right now. Just begin to call out to God. Come on, church. Just begin to pray right now. I know you're in your pews. I know you're in your seats. I wonder if you could just begin to call out to the Lord right now. God, search my heart. Search my life right now. In the name of Jesus, let me feel that call deep within my spirit it's a call to come back to you some of you I want you just to pray for family members God let them hear that call through my life let them hear that call through my life through everything you've brought me through everything you've done for me everything you've pulled me through We're in a church right now that we've got drug addicts that have been delivered. We've got people.
the call of God saying I'm not finished with you yet and I don't want that call to end in the church I don't want that call to end to those around us but it's something we've got to echo come on church just for a few more moments God search my heart right now search my life right now if you could and if it's appropriate I wonder if you could put your hand on the person next to you uh, if they're in the same bubble as you and just begin to pray together I've got to do something with the call I can't let it just fall on deaf ears I 